1: I have a guest in the studio today, here for the second time, I think it was December we talked about, that uh, Dorothy Logan was here. Dorothy is a foreign policy analyst. She has a master's degree in political science. She has a company called Freedom Academy that is a service for webinars. She is a, an instructor with our good friends down at Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando and is highly recommended from our friend down there, Joe Sharp. So it is great to say, welcome back, Dorothy Logan.
0: Thank you for having me again.
1: Yeah, the last time you were here, I I do remember that we had some, uh, I would call some lively discussions on politics, which is something that I know you've got a lot of opinions about. And, and, you know, there's that old adage, the joke about, there are some things that you never want to talk about at the dinner table, politics is one of them, religion is the other. And I deal with both of those things every day of my life. So it's a safe zone here, <laughs> so you can do it. But it is great to have you back.
0: Thank you. Politics and religion are the two topics I'm most interested in talking about, which gets me into trouble and family situations. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I can only imagine, you know, because so many of us, when it comes to politics, it's like the old joke that says, uh, politics and your opinions, whether well, they're like your noses, we all have them and they're all different. And that is true. Some of them are different size from the, <laughs> the next person. So some, some uh, people's uh, opinions are really, really uh, hot button topics with them and the emotions get engaged and off you go and it can ruin a Thanksgiving dinner for sure. But it's something that we we do need to become more aware because our life, our world is changing around us. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Definitely. Especially coming from a society where we all held on to similar values for most of our country's existence. And now we've moved into an era where that unifying principle of shared values has been undercut severely. Yeah.
1: You're so right. You know, there was the phrase, and you would have heard it in all your studies, the Judeo-Christian ethic. And that would be kind of the prevailing sense that I believe most of our grandparents and great-grandparents would have understood that the undergirding morals of our country, the values, if you will, of our country, were really founded in this Bible that we cherish, as believers. But we live in a day today where many, if not most in government, do not cherish. In fact, it's all out war against not only the Bible, but those who would believe in it. And to the degree that many people are calling us post-Christian in this day and age. So yeah, for a person like yourself to be as educated as you are, Uh, You, I am sure, more than most of us, have run into these kind of uh, antagonisms toward Judeo-Christian belief.
0: Indeed, in fact, we might say we're post-Christian society or a post-Christian country. But the problem with that is, again, this is something I mentioned last time: we're a republic if you can keep it. But also, it's a government for a religious and moral people. It's unfit for any other. So that leads to, by undercutting Christianity and undercutting those values, it undercuts the very foundation upon which this government and the people and the country operates. At the same time, these, these, the government and society who had the foundation of shared values and they were Christian values, and even all, and those are now being used against Christians, the very values are that Christians adhere to are you being used to advance an anti god agenda in order to un- undercut it we've we've come kind of full, full circle yeah
1: we have that. yeah we have and, and this uh, anti god agenda you know was warned i mean uh, our fathers our grandfathers w- you know with everything that they had been taught everything that they had fought for in the great wars world war 1 was really to stop this kind of Uh, attack, if you will, on liberty. And that's really what our our forefathers in the Revolutionary War fought for. They were people who believed in liberty and recognized that the only true liberty comes when you are at one with the Lord and you have that kind of a basis in your life. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. And without that understanding of freedom then it becomes like well, whoever defines it is now the new definition for what freedom. And if we listen to the speech that was given to us by our president on the 1st of September, we are really hearing a direction for this country that is against liberty.
0: Definitely. And in fact, the founders were quite brilliant. I'll say again, in that yes these are christian principles the judeo-christian ideals an understanding of an almighty god was is pervasive throughout everything but you don't even need to look to scripture that we're adhering to because they were really relying a lot quite a bit on natural law and it's natural law because it's obvious we don't need it written down because it's just obvious. We all understand that there is a universal standard of measurement. We might misunderstand exactly where it is, but we all understand that now what is obvious has become obscene. And that is what we see in these political speeches now today.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with you now when you say we all know it's obvious. And yet that's not true because people are not acknowledging i mean one of the greatest debacles of our day in my mind is this uh, attempt to re-educate all of humanity on transgenderism and w- whether or not you're a boy or you're a girl you would think they for a group of people that says let's follow the science they're not following the science on that one right
0: Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, I think I'm being a bit facetious uh, in that. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's another conversation to have too. This idea of following the science—we've come an evolution. That's been an evolution as well, where science is always questioning. You're always trying to disprove something. That is what science actually is. But when you think of science, scientific institutions universities and research Mm -hmm. facilities and everything they did such great work outside of politics outside of and just advanced us and gave us progress and we started giving them our attention and and relying on what they had to say and this became morphed into not just the science but now the scientists the experts the institution had authority the institution had reliability. So then anyone coming out of the institution, now we're giving them reliability. It's kind of like Fauci saying, I am science. And unfortunately it becomes, I think someone wrote a book about it, scientism. It becomes its own religion mm-hmm. where I you, agree. Where you have even d- different denominations yeah. of scientism. But when you think about the idea of redefining words or not even being able to define words,
1: like, what is a woman? What
0: is a woman?
1: <laughs> that is the the biggest laughable thing that I, I can think of. And yet it is, you know, being passed off as amazingly brilliant. And now that person who uttered that is one of the nine prevailing members of our Supreme Court. How can that be?
0: I think... As I mentioned last time, little t truth points to big t truth, which is why I think it's so important to get out there and and nail home that little t truth. Other people go and out there and nail home the big t truth. There's an attack on big t truth. But there's also an attack on little t truth. The The underpinnings of this universal standard of, of obj- objective facts of reality has been so undercut. We see words being redefined every day the dictionary is changing you have to use the wayback machine to find <laughs> out what right. some of these definitions i haven't these... heard that
1: term in a long time i used to use the wayback machine to check our our early websites it, it's crazy
0: it, it is it is kind of insane because when you lose language when, when you lose an understanding a shared language you and you're losing the shared values there's nothing left to hold the fabric of society together
1: Well, that's profound and that's really true because it's what's happening today. And if we don't get a hold of that, if we don't see that, uh, you know, I've had some guests up here um, tomorrow on my program. I've already recorded it. It's with Dave Zanotti from the public square. Friends, you don't want to be missing that one. It is an eye opener for sure. But um, a lot of people believe that we're down to the, the dregs, if you will, in our saving our country right now as it is, if we don't see changes, if we don't get out and make a difference in the next couple of months, and certainly in the next couple of years, uh, America, as we've known it, may have gone by the wayside, uh, past the Rubicon, if you will, where we're not going to be able to make it anymore.
0: That's actually the phrase I used last time. I believe we've crossed the Rubicon. I don't believe there's a way back. Not that I believe there's 0% chance I also talked about the rubber band. Effect, I
1: remember right? you saying that. So,
0: you, you know, you pull something far enough in one direction, it's either going to break or it could snap back, but not without some pain. Hmm. So I, I'm not saying there's a 0% chance that we could, we could return to some ideals that we were once based upon. But I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe we have crossed the Rubicon and it's not going to bounce back.
1: Now, there's a lot of people that would say that, that would, would rise up and say, where's your faith? You know, hey, come on, girl, where's your faith? <laughs> come on, man, where's your faith? And, and I get it. I, I really, I want to be a person of faith. I want to believe. But but you're talking about now uh, a, a nation that has gone by and large these last couple of years so fast and so far downward in terms of that, that line of values forsaking things, making things. uh, And it's not just America right now. A lot of these things, COVID included, and the whole transgender, uh, the whole LGBTQ, all of that, that's being shared by a lot of other nations in the world. So it's not just as easy to change now America because um, our leaders have been making us in America much more global
0: yes there's a global phenomena but this the the reaction is also global as well you do see things going on in europe where people are trying to snap back but then it goes too far the other direction it is sometimes like this idea of grand nationalism you aren't french unless you were you're you were french a hundred years ago kind of thing but you also have the war with Ukraine, Ukraine, Russia and Ukraine. There's a lot of argument going on there that this isn't. It is something to be paying attention to, but Putin is telling his people this is about morality. And that snap back, you know, Ukraine is they need to control that because we don't want that Western influence encroaching on the morality within Russia, which is again, a very dangerous position to be taking.
1: What a, a dangerous definition that is for them to use, because a, a lot of what uh, I know that would be within that mindset would not match the morality of the Bible and and the value that's placed in life and the fact that these people are made in the image of God. And that is just a lost thing in a lot of the world. And, you know, you're a person that I. we've got enough time in this segment. I'm going to and then we'll, I'd intended on getting a little bit about your own background, your own story. We'll save that for next segment. But, uh, you know, when we go back into uh, looking at this thing called law, the the rule of law, right now, as a political science major, someone that's studied, you teach at the college level. Yeah. Uh, this has got to be. For you, this has got to be a troubling thing. Does that keep you up at night, the, the lack of the rule of law?
0: It used to. I think that because the underpinnings are gone, I truly believe our society is becoming unraveled, that those foundations are gone. The lack of the rule of law is so evident. What concerns me more than the lack of the rule of law is the fact that the people don't care people don't realize the impact this actually has on them, their liberty, their the, their live, their livelihood, the way they, their, their, their lifestyle. They don't realize that this. When you have a, a rule that for everyone else, you must abide by it or you're going to be jailed or fined. But because I lead the city or I lead the county or I lead the state, I don't need to abide by that rule. It's this idea of the rule of law within the United States was always the leaders are never going to be held above the law, but they have managed to put themselves above the law and the American people have no reaction to that, no response. You have laws about immigration where we don't care about that. It's more about how we feel about the issue than it is about the rule of law, or we have laws about that are a contradiction to one another. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that kind of nullifies the rule of law on so many levels. It's been nullified that used to trouble me. What troubles me more is that the American people don't realize it. And if they do don't care.
1: Wow. Now that I I'm hoping that there's still room that that could be wrong, that they don't care. I'm, I'm praying friends that we wake up I think that that has happened in cultures before. I mean, cultures have been changed by revival. And I know that if God were to move, uh, there have been entire regions, entire nations, touched by moves of, we know that that's happened. And I'm not saying that is going to happen, but that is a prayer. And this is something that we've got to see. We've got to care. And you know what Dorothy is saying today is really incumbent upon us all. We need to wake up, right? We
0: do need to wake up. We have been asleep for a very long time. They, you know, they say easy times make weak men, weak men make hard times, hard times make strong men, but we've lived in the lap of luxury. We don't need to pay attention to whether or not our liberties are being taken because we are enjoying the fruit of the past labor we have the technology, we have the comforts, we have the luxury that rest of the world probably couldn't even imagine. We live better. The poorest person in America lives better than kings did 200 years mm-hmm. ago kind of thing.
1: Yeah, this kind of reminds me of that Bible story. Let's build bigger barns. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. And we don't realize that our soul is being required of us. No, that's it. But Dorothy Logan is my guest. I hope you're enjoying this As much as I, uh, she's a thinker, and we're going to be doing some more thinking when we get back. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd.
0: Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and
1: knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits
0: of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit
1: GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844 PBA Orlando. That's 844 PBA Orlando. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407. 407- 965 4166 now, or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida, and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. Dorothy Logan is my guest. Dorothy is a foreign policy analyst. Not every day that I get to talk to somebody who that is their major point of career, and that's pretty exciting. I think of a lot of people that have been. Uh, political science majors or philosophy majors, and and they're doing something completely out of their field. But this is something that you're still pushing and doing, and you still do some teaching at the college level, even at PPA, right? I do. And do you enjoy that?
0: I love getting up in front of people because I can read the room and I get a better understanding of who the audience is, so I do enjoy that side of teaching. I don't particularly like grading all that much.
1: Creating?
0: <laughs> no, grading. Oh, grading. Assessments. Oh. <laughs> Assessments <laughs> yeah. Assessing people's knowledge. Yeah, yeah. But um I especially in political science because it's something that changes so quickly and um and over time you can see trends and just to see where students are coming from year to year, decade to decade.
1: I want to come back to that in a moment because that's to me, fascinating. And so I'm, I'll get back to that. First, tell me a little bit about you. Where, What part of the country did you grow up in?
0: So I was born in Oneida, in New York, and I grew up my entire childhood in Syracuse, New York.
1: Ah, beautiful area.
0: It is gorgeous. I just came back from there from vacation. And I married into the state of Florida um, where I did my graduate work. And that's where I come from Mm -hmm. Uh, my marriage. My, my first marriage uh, did not end well. I was in an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. and I decided to leave. And that was very difficult for me because I grew up in the church and very conservative home and the greatest sin really was divorce and so it was really hard to make that decision to get out of that marriage i pray i kept praying that it would get better i went to counseling i my pastor did not suggest demanded essentially that no this the marriage is sacrosanct and it doesn't matter what
1: even if you're being abused yes Hmm.
0: and it was very difficult for me to make that decision on my own without any support family or the church or
1: and your family didn't support you either
0: they rewrote history they
1: uh, oh i'm so sorry
0: they will say today that they supported me um my, my my parents essentially when i sat down to tell them that this was going on they oh we never liked him that wasn't true he had wooed them while i in my absence and so and my dad was like this is my fault he took responsibility on himself and there was a lot of tears however my sister she did tell me when i when i sat and talked to her one one day i was just in tears she said you are strong you can do it on your own if anyone can handle this it's you and so i really appreciate my my sister in that regard but mm-hmm. i didn't have any mental or emotional support for it. I felt like I was making the worst decision of my life. I was going to become the worst parent. I had two young children because, but what I realized I needed to, when I needed to leave, it wasn't because the abuse got so bad. That is part of it. I would, but I was praying for him to die because that was the only way I believed I could get mm, out of the marriage. Mm. And a friend told me, do you really want your children not to have a father? Do you? And then I also was this idea of if I'm praying for him to die, does that make me a murderer? Right. So I was in this real tension of a difficult uh, place. Yes. Mm -hmm. So but that actually that act got me on my face before the Lord every single day. I finally understood what a personal relationship meant because I had no one else to rely on except except my except the Lord Almighty. and. I finally understood what grace was because I had been obedient to the word my entire life. I was the goody two shoes. I was the, just the best person. I always made the right decision until this moment. Mm -hmm. And I look around and especially lifelong Christians who they condemn divorce regardless. And I did go through that with a number of people from the church that I was attending at the time. I'm like, well, what was your biggest sin? And do you want that on on trial? And do you really understand grace? I, I tend to approach a lot of believers mm-hmm. that way.
1: Well, the grace of God is there, even for someone that's going through what you went through. I'm so sorry that you had to, by and large, do that without the kind of support that would have been helpful. And so many, uh, I know for the pastors that are listening to us today, I respect the work of ministry. I was a pastor for 36 years. But I, I would also say that I believe there's room in the grace of God for a person to get out of a marriage that is abusive, where their life is in danger and they are being completely beaten down emotionally, physically, all of these ways. Uh, it's a dangerous situation and it, it should not be that way. And just because we do know the heart of God is not for abor- uh, not for divorce, I believe that, but there are occasions for it.
0: In, in fact, one thing that really helped my heart at the time was that verse, God hates divorce. It's preceded by young men, stop your violence because God yeah. hates divorce. Yeah, right. that, that's what gave me permission finally to say, this is, this is okay for me to, to, to protect my heart, my soul, and, and my children. So. Well,
1: we are glad that you are protected. And that you have found the grace of God. That's really something that is a gift in and of itself, regardless of, of the terrible uh, conditions and directions that kind of f- force you into the grace of God. A- at, uh, at this point, we can say, you know, I'm just grateful that you found the grace of God. And that's really, I heard David Jeremiah say something that was so profound. He talks about how that God can use our bad circumstances and make them to be good things in our life and how great that is to realize that he does that and he does that with regularity. So you stayed in Florida after moving here and you're still here.
0: I am still here. And in fact, this, this idea of, I had, I used to have a problem with, I'm not gonna say God's sovereignty, but this idea of predestination. There was this pastor who said, God speaks everything into your life. He speaks your story. And and I had a hard time wrapping my head around how, I don't believe my God speaks evil into people's lives. I don't believe that, and but yet, I am in such a great and wonderful place today that I don't think I would be here if I hadn't experienced the evils along the
1: mm-hmm. way well qu- without a doubt God allows these things to happen at time. I' I'm reading through job right now and uh, you can't tell job that uh, he's he was uh, he thought he was doing all right and God he didn't bring that the enemy brought it but God allowed it and we know the story at the end of the day Job is going to end up I know how the story ends read it many times before. He's going to be asking lots and lots of questions of God, who, by the way, never really answers all of his questions. He just begins to ask a few of his own. And those questions that God asked settled the matter, and they do for us as well. We are not like God. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, God is God. He is uh, he's the one. But I'm just grateful you found you found that, uh, that peace and you found grace and joy and joy. And it's clear. I can see it on your face, Dorothy. I'm talking to Dorothy Logan, a foreign policy analyst. It's not again, every day that I get to do this, this is fun. It's a, um, a, a real to me, a, a discussion that we need to have. We need to have it in our own hearts. What's going on in our world around us. We need to be viewing everything that is in our life in your family, it's always best to view it through the lens of a biblical worldview. And that's something that is not being done by and large in America today in our government. It's not. It's uh, just the opposite. So uh, before we get to the other stuff that I told you we would cover in uh, segment two, I want to go back to your grading thing. You mentioned that's a difficult part of your educational work. Grading people uh, on that topic, w- how do you see or how would you describe the changes in the way a lot of your students are responding now? Because when they, when you started teaching a couple of years ago, things were, I think, quite a bit different even then compared to now. What do you see today?
0: There are some bright lights, don't want to discount that, however. Oftentimes students do not know how to think for themselves. You, I would give a prompt for an essay and they want to know where the answer. Where can they find the answer to this question. But it my answer to them is always it's in your own understanding. That's what I'm assessing. your understanding, your how you can apply what you know and your opinion to, this situation. You're not going to find the answer anywhere else. It's going to be within you. If you can't find it within you, I cannot help you. Mm -hmm. And so what I find is the idea of critical thinking is absent because they're not even thinking. They don't, they've forgotten how to think. They were never taught how to think. They don't know how to contemplate. They don't know how to debate themselves. They don't know how to question things. They believe that all they have to do for a good grade is learn some information and regurgitate it in the way that the professor wants to hear it and that's really discouraging to me and it takes it has challenged me i i try to express to them i don't need you to agree with me i need you to present your thoughts and be able to defend them even if you disagree with me that's what i'm looking for mm-hmm. but they are so afraid of disagreement or getting the wrong answer that they are paralyzed from actually thinking and producing something of their own thoughts
1: Is it because of um, maybe a performance issue in their lives they're raised to just kind of like perform almost try to do right to get a passing grade or to get approval from their parents?
0: We are raised in the United States especially I think and in Christian homes as well uh, to the next expected thing. You go, you start in kindergarten, you learn your numbers and your letters and you read, and then you move to first grade, you read your books, and then you move to second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And then in Florida, we teach to the test now. This has been a, a long time in coming where we know, okay, you're given this prompt. Sentence one of paragraph one is going to look something like this. Here's sentence two, here's sentence three. And you're they're not even taught how to think, but they're taught how to write an essay that will pass the standardized test for the state. Or they're taught to read a story and how do you pick out what's important is and then that's what you need to know. The important points in the story or in the in the essay. Instead of what do you think about this? Where do what do you think the author was where do you think the author was coming from when they wrote this particular piece? Or do you agree Mm -hmm. with this? Why or why not? And um, so this idea of standardization and it, what what's what comes next next? What is expected of you, right? So you you're expected to go to college. You're expected to do well so you can get a, a job in a particular field. You're expected to then go purchase a house or to get married or to have children. or it's like step by step by step, we're kind of programmed to live this life. and so they want to make sure they get to the next step subconsciously i don't think this is a conscious effort for them but they don't want anything to impede that and they get so afraid that if they rely on what they think for themselves they will fail somehow Hmm. and i i actually asked this question do you believe you're smart enough to come up with your own position on just pick anything but let's say um let's say, the COVID-19 vaccine. Do you think you are smart enough to come up with your own opinion about that? Or do you rely upon what someone else says?
1: It's a great question.
0: To, to come to your opinion.
1: And it's very applicable right now in this world because there are a lot of things that are coming out about it that seem to be completely opposite of what we were told by the so-called experts.
0: Indeed, because I should preface this by saying, I had a student say, no, I don't think I'm smart enough. And that's where we are. And so with the COVID-19 vaccine, what my first, my very first red flag about the whole thing was the same phrase was repeated over and over and over, regardless of which party, regardless of which influencer, regardless of which media outlet, it's safe and effective, it's safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe. If you have to say it that often, it's probably... Mm,
1: Not safe and effective. Not safe and effective. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of people are finding that um, it's anything, again, but safe in every situation. I know a lot of people, a lot of our own children have uh, had it. Those of us that are hearing this today... You probably either have had it yourself, uh, and there are many people like Matt Staver at the Liberty Council who is representing people who, sadly, have gone through some very, very difficult side effects because of it. And again, the reason we're talking about that, what led us into that, is this lack of being able to critically think that you said. And, you know, I I think of the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young song, Teach Your Children Well, um, you know, that is that goes all the way back to the Bible, the Old Testament, where parents are really commanded to teach their children in Deuteronomy 6. We know whether they're lying down, whether you're walking down the street, there's this constant educating, training, teaching to to not only just hear and learn, but to be thinkers. But that, sadly, is not a good descriptor of what we have today.
0: No, it's not. And in fact, when we think about talking religion and politics and you think about going to your holiday get togethers and having conversations with family members with whom you might disagree, and how do you really approach that, part of the critical thinking process is getting the other person to think critically. And so one way I teach how to do that, this is part of the Freedom Academy that I do as well, be that annoying two-year-old and ask why
1: i'm going to interrupt you right there and we're going to take a quick break i'll be back with my guest dorothy logan dorothy is a foreign policy analyst and uh, she's making her second appearance here on the program with us we'll be right back after this word this is afternoons with mike ec waters air conditioning and heat serves all your comfort needs with over 40 years experience ec waters is a top trained comfort specialist earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com. My guest in the studio today is Dorothy Logan. Dorothy is an educator. She has studied political science. She would be a specialist in foreign policy. She has her own academy called Freedom Academy. And with that, and we'll talk a little bit about that in this segment, about what uh, what her offerings are, what kind of webinars you can actually take, and what kind of involvement you can get uh, exposed to with this teaching. And if you like the kind of reasoning that you've heard uh, from Dorothy today, then you can find out more as to how to avail yourself to all of that. But, um, you know, this whole discussion that we were having at the end of the last segment, talking about uh, our climate in education today, and you were talking about how that students, are, you're, you're seeing a real, let's say a lack of their ability to think critically and to come up with their own opinions. And you were giving us uh, some scenarios that, that happen in the learning process when a student hears a question and they don't know the answer. Can you pick up on that?
0: Right. So when they don't have an answer, I, they might want to know where do I find the answer? And my, my response to them is well in your own head and they kind of push back on that and I would ask, so do you think you're smart enough to come up with your own ideas, to come up with your own opinion on something? They often, too often, will say, no, I don't. I do rely on other people, the people I trust in the media, my parents, yeah. uh, my friends, to kind of form my own opinion. And I find that's a tragedy in in the modern world. I do think we're, we're seeing a, a pushback on that like I said, there are some bright spots and I have some hope for the future, but there are trends and there is a there is a pendulum that swings back and forth on some of this.
1: Well, for the parent who would hear that and they would say, is that an altogether wrong thing to have your child exposed to an, quote, expert? How would you answer that? I
0: think you need to be very, very careful because for the first, let's say, 14 years of your child's life, that expert is you as the parent. And so you might believe, well, I've given them everything they need to form the best opinion possible. But what happens is as they start to be exposed in high school classes, in civics classes, in world history classes, then they move on to the university level where there is a trend within the, within academia toward a certain direction. And these experts claim authority simply by the position they're in as mm-hmm. professors, as, as teachers that voice in their head is not yours anymore that voice in their head is that of their peers who are hearing the same thing from their professors who are hearing the same thing from their teachers who are hearing the same thing from the media their their ideas are being shaped by social media influencers their their ideas are being their opinions are being shaped not by what the, that foundation that you laid because they never learned how to come to those conclusions on their own. They never learned to think deeply about those fundamental principles. Instead, they thought it was just enough, it was good enough to adhere to and hold on to those ideas as long as they were in your house. And as soon as those ideas are challenged, because they have no fundamental underpinnings of their own ideas or belief system, it was a borrowed one, they start believing the next idea that sounds good to them. Mm And they, are, they enter into a realm where the individuals presenting the ideas have become very practiced and eloquent in making those ideas sound very good.
1: And that's where we've had the introduction to a lot of the Marxist thoughts, the, a lot of the socialism discussion. It's happening in the college campuses. And I would I'd wager that most parents who send their kids away, they don't know to the extent that our kids are being influenced and impacted at some of the schools that we all say we love. And we watch the football games on Sundays and Saturdays and uh, you know, it's, it's affecting a generation in a serious way.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think that when you, you look at what's happening in, in academia, it's a generation in the making. My parents were exposed to it and Everyone that was churned out of, of the university system in the 50s, 60s, and 70s are now in charge of the mm-hmm. university system, and they their minds were turned, and they've fully bought into this idea that we can create this utopian place if only people would listen to me. If I am right and I believe we can find the right variables to plug into the formula, find the algorithm, and bring utopia to all people. And this is, it sounds like a very good idea. And, but the problem comes in with you have to agree. Everyone has to agree. We have to be unified in that idea. And so they make the idea sound very good, but in the end, it takes away all the foundational ideas and values of liberty, the, the Protestant work ethic, the Judeo-Christian values, and the foundations upon with which the civilization was built in the first
1: place. Mm-hmm. This is also very, uh, I guess, helpful for parents who aren't um, maybe following the, the exact scenario that's been going on for years in our colleges, but this has been going on for decades. It's not just started. I think a lot of parents believe that maybe in the last 10 years it got to be bad. Uh Uh-uh. This has been going on. I can remember when I was in grade school way back, and this would be in the 60s, and we had a science teacher that I believe was a believer. Now, he never got up and talked about his church experience or whatever, but this is in the early 60s. And he made a comment That he said, class, we're being told to talk about evolution as a reality. And he said, but I want to make sure you understand from me that it is only a theory. Well, that kind of teaching probably left at the end of that year. (laughs) I don't (laughs) think it hung around much longer than that, because it is now not only taught it's taught with an expectation that if you believe anything but that you're crazy, you're, you're an idiot.
0: Indeed. We see that, Oh, the scientific community has come to consensus. The medical community has come to consensus. And if you are outside that consensus, you're an extremist. That's what we heard from the press yeah, right. That's, secretary, right? So all of us
1: are MAGA extremists, right? So yeah.
0: if the, the actual wording, if you, if your thinking lies outside that of the majority, you're wrong and that's exactly what democracy is. That's exactly what the founders wanted to avoid, the tyranny of the majority, the permanent majority. But more than that, if your thinking lies outside the consensus, you're an extremist, but more than that, you're wrong. You've been proven wrong because simply because you're not,
1: in the majority you're not only an extremist Dorothy you're a racist you're a homophobe you are uh, xenophobic you are all of these things because you don't believe what they believe
0: exactly and then they put that description on to you meaning you're the intolerant one and you're be- because you want me to believe what you believe you want to force your beliefs upon me we're not Doing that, we 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 are in the majority. We're not. We don't need to force our ideas upon anybody because you're wrong by and by being wrong, and by continuing in that vein, you're actually saying you want to force your beliefs upon me. And so they turn it around mm-hmm. on the the quote unquote extremists mm-hmm. simply because they don't agree with the majority or don't agree with the decided consensus, because oftentimes. It's just that's a false narrative as well. This idea that there's consensus about something, it, they declare it as true when it's not necessarily so.
1: Well, you've got some great thoughts. And you mentioned earlier, um, you know, I posed that question to you. Are, you are you able to sleep at night? Does this keep you up? But you found the grace of God. And that really is the only way I believe anyone in this day and age right now can rest, can trust. It's not because of what we see. We're not seeing great things happen. We're seeing a lot of uh, negative things happen, Dan. And I remember last December when you were the in the studio before and mentioned feeling that we in America may well have crossed that line. Some some call it, as you did, the Rubicon. Others say the line in the sand that is drawn. But you would believe that uh, we're going to have a hard time bouncing back and becoming the uh, the good old USA that we most of us that are maybe we remember when we were kids.
0: I do believe it will be very difficult. You see bright spots, right? You see a Supreme Court that is deciding more along originalist, you know, lines. You see governors like Governor DeSantis trying to protect the liberty of Floridians or parental rights or a number of of items, you can see these bright spots along the way. So you think, okay, maybe there's some hope, maybe we can turn around from this. But the reason why I don't really expect that to happen, I don't expect a revival, I don't expect a return to those values is because we allowed it to get to the point where those voices are being drowned out. You have a social media algorithm that feeds you exactly what it believes you want to hear regardless of where you are on the political spectrum or what your faith practice is. And it ingrains in you whatever beliefs you have at the moment. It's doing nothing to expand one's critical thinking. It's doing nothing to bring about empathy. In fact, it's doing the exact opposite. Um, Contempt has replaced empathy and division has replaced unity and obscenity has replaced values.
1: Is it too strong to say that that social media algorithm is reprogramming minds? Is it too strong to say that?
0: No, I would not say it's too strong to say that. And I believe it is intentional. For what purpose? That's why I say asking that question, why? For what purpose? I don't have satisfactory answers to those questions, but I believe that ultimately not the ultimate purpose of of the division, but I do believe they want division, whoever they is
1: uh (laughs) whoever they is (laughs) that sounds wrong but it's it's good as rain (laughs)
0: but whoever whoever they are but which is another thing when we talk about language I, i could go down that road as well but this idea that division is all over the place you have division let's take the pandemic you lock down isolate people then you put masks on them you isolate them you 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 take away their humanity their fellow humanity you take away the micro expressions Mm -hmm. and you take away you have them socially distanced you're no longer hugging you can't visit your parents in a nursing home you can't visit them in the hospital people are dying alone you have all that division the churches stopped coming together you had schools stop coming together you had clubs stop coming together and so you've created all this division you've isolated people but then then you say this very important thing but we're all in this together and Meanwhile, while they're all isolated from each other, individuals are becoming more ingrained in whatever they're thinking. Their brains are being reprogrammed to, with hostility toward anyone that disagrees with them. So now you've isolated them, you've dehumanized everyone. And, and you, you made them angry. And you made them angry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's exactly what's happened. And we look around and we see that when you have, you know, I, yesterday at the bank, I guess I must have walked up on a guy just a little too closely. And uh, I got the look. And like back off, buddy, you know, you're not six feet away. And this is the world in which we live right now. Uh, we're out of time. Dorothy Logan, it's always fun to have you up here. Really, this, uh, the, the hour is a uh, flyby zone when when you're here. And I, it just goes like a minute, but I'm really grateful for you. Thank you. you have got to come back up again and be with us and we'll do some more critical thinking. Okay.
0: Thank you for having me. I look forward to it.
1: All right, give us your website, how people can find you.
0: It's freedomacademy-dorothy.com.
1: freedomacademy-dorothy.com. And we appreciate Dorothy Logan so much. Friends, thank you for being here. Don't forget Dave Zanotti coming up on tomorrow's program. Have a great day.